Darion Gooden has been a part of our spiritual family for over two years, and he's passionate about the next generation. He served in our youth ministry, uh, middle school and high school. He's preached, he's served, he's led. Uh, he and his wife, Lyric, have a 16-month-old boy, Elias, and then another one on the way. Uh, he loves basketball, he hates ranch dressing, which I don't even know how that works in West Texas but he is coming from the pew to share with you. You're gonna love this. Welcome, Darion Gooden. All right, uh, so, so to clear the room real quick, it is very much true, I do hate ranch dressing, all right? Now, the Bible speaks about there being seven abominations before the Lord. I believe, I believe that if there was an eighth, it just might be ranch. I, I don't know. It, you know, I, I know there's lots of people that are against that, but you know, that's that's just where I stand. All right. Um, <laughs> good morning, everyone. Um, so we we have all experienced. Uh, we all have experiences in life, and we all have a story to tell. And so I'm honored that uh, I get to stand before you today and share my story and how God came and He saved me. And uh, I'm honored because if it had not been for God, I wouldn't be the man that I am standing here before you today. See, I uh, grew up in, uh, a, in a family in Oklahoma where we went to church. Uh, in fact, you might have found me in the church several days throughout the week due to my mom being heavily involved in the church. Uh, I was part of the children's choir. I, I did all kinds of things. I helped out in, in the church as well. Uh, but the reality for me um, while I was an individual who went to church quite often was that I actually didn't know who God was. In fact, um, if you would have asked me, I would have told you that God was a very distant being who didn't really care much about what went on in my life. He just kind of sat by and watched uh, because that's quite often how I felt. Um, I had experienced various forms of abuse throughout my life. And uh, with each experience, my view of who God was be, uh, was, was uh, skewed even further and further. It was more and more twisted with each experience because I had, had felt and thought that, well, you know, if I'm experiencing these things, then surely God, God isn't with me. He doesn't care. Um, but uh, with going to church, I also felt this weight and this pressure and expectation of others that uh, I somehow had to be this, this good person. And, and not only what I, did I feel that from others, but I even felt it for myself because the reality is, is that, uh, and growing up in the church, I didn't really have a hard time really understanding or grasping the concept that God was real. Um, nor did I have a, a hard time grasping the concept of heaven and hell. Um, and no, no one wants to go to hell. That, that doesn't sound like a very fun place to go. Um, and so I did all these different things to try to somehow win God's approval. Well, if God, if, God, if I felt like God wasn't uh, very present in my life and he didn't care enough about me because I didn't, I didn't feel valuable enough to even have God's attention. I, I, I begin to believe and think, well, maybe if I, if I did all these, the right things, if I helped enough people, if I were, uh, if I tried my best to be generous, that somehow 
I would get God's attention and he would finally see that I'm worth something, that I, I'm worthy of his attention and, and somehow. But uh, all it did for me was make me appear righteous before other people. See, before other people, I would look like I was this good person. I would look like I was wise before my friends and I would look like I was someone who wouldn't get into any trouble. But the truth was, is while no one was around, I was struggling with various addictions. I was building a bunch of bad bad habits in my life. I was trying to take control of everything, control of every decision, trying to take control of my emotions, everything that that could possibly be a part of my life, I tried to have control of it. And I found each and every day, the more and more that I tried to have control, I tried to make a decision that I thought and felt was right, that I was actually continuing to fall short of my own standards and not just my own, but the standard of other people, and ultimately, I was falling short of God's standard. I began to to feel more and more the weight of guilt and shame weighing down on me as I was interacting with other people because I knew that while people thought that I was good because I gave them this perception of me being good, that actually there was this wickedness inside of me that I was afraid to show people because I knew if people saw it, that people, they wouldn't, they wouldn't like me. I knew, that, I knew within myself that people, if they saw how ugly I was outside of what I was showing them, that people's perspective of me would change considerably. And then Fast forward into 2016, I'm on a college campus in Denton, Texas. And um, it was, for me, for me, it was a new start. I was in a new state. Surely I could make some new friends. I can make better decisions. I can, I can cut all the drugs and bad relationships and all these bad habits and addictions. I could, I could throw them all to the side so that I could build a better life for myself. But when I came to Texas, I came to realize that the very things that I was running away from were the very things that were continuing to follow me. See, I had, I had packed my physical bag. I, I had all my clothes and, and everything. I set up my dorm and I, and I was sitting here thinking I left everything else in Oklahoma, but no, it, it actually came with me. And one morning, 2016, my freshman year of college, I found myself in my dorm room and I'm hungover. And uh, I, I, I felt the weight of all my choices, all my decisions, all of my sin, all of the guilt, the shame. I felt it all come down on me, on me all at once. And I knew in that moment that I was powerless. I knew that I was powerless to change myself. I knew I was powerless to change my life. But deep down within myself, I knew that there was something more that I was created for. I knew that there had to be a greater purpose than what I was living for. And I knew that there had to be a greater direction than the direction that I was going in. But I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know 
what my purpose was or uh, how I could even get to the point of starting to fulfill that very thing. But I knew that I needed to be saved somehow in some way. I had tried people. I tried relationships to somehow save myself. I tried to do all the right things to somehow save myself. I tried making my own decisions and I saw that it was all getting me nowhere. And so I remembered in that moment that growing up, I was taught to pray. It's my last resort. It was the only thing that I could remember how to do. And for you parents, hopefully that's an encouragement to you that God will not fail you. When he says that if you train a child up in the way that they should go, that he will fulfill his promise. All you have to do is obey God and God will come through and he will do the rest. But I remember my mom taught me how to pray. And so I'm down on my knees in my college dorm room. I am in tears and I'm just letting God know, hey, I'm, I'm powerless right now. I, I've tried to kick the addictions. I've tried to kick the bad habits. I've tried to make the right friends. I've tried to uh, be diligent to do my schoolwork like I know I should be. I've tried to go in the right direction and I can't do it. I'm, I've tried everything and, I'll, and now I'm here at rock bottom and I don't know what else to do. People say that, you, that you're there. They say that you care. They say that you love me. I need you to prove it right now. And it was only a few days later that I found myself on the college campus in front of our library, just listening to music. And um, this man walks up to me, a man named William Galloway. And he um, asked me some questions about what I believed about God that were uh, really, really deep and insightful questions. And I was able to give him all the right Christian answers. But when he asked, if you died today, would you go to heaven? I knew right then and there what the answer was. I knew I wasn't. I knew I had no confidence that God would say, yes, you, you're, you are welcome to enter into my presence for the rest of eternity. And so William asked me if I would be willing to sit down with him to understand more what the, of what the Bible has to say about these things. And so we sit down and William, he shares this good news with me. And it was that God wasn't looking for me to find a way to, to him. God wasn't looking for me to do all the right things and somehow impress him by the things that I was doing to grab his attention. But it was that God had already made away to himself. This gap that I felt like was between me and God, despite going to church on a weekly basis, God had bridged that gap himself through Jesus Christ. God, through Jesus Christ, he lived the perfect life that I was trying so hard to live but could not. And he, he, he died a gruesome death on the cross, a death that I actually deserved to, to die. God sent Jesus to, to take the punishment in my place and he raised him from the grave three days later so that I could be offered the forgiveness of sins in a right relationship with God. 
And once I began to understand that God was giving me this gift that I didn't need to win his approval, that I didn't need to somehow work my way up to God, I made the decision to lay down my life, to lay down all, all, all of the decisions and choices that I was trying to make on my own, to lay down my emotions and all the things that I accumulated for myself so that I could follow after Jesus. And it was then when I decided to put my faith in Jesus that for the first time, I had felt like I belonged somewhere. And not only that I belonged to somewhere, but that I belonged to someone. For the first time, I felt like I knew what my actual value was, that I was a significant person in this earth, created for a specific person. And it felt as if God had took the physical weight of my sin that was on my shoulders and he pulled it off and he filled me with this joy that I had not felt before. It was a joy that I could not explain. And after giving my life to God, God had actually brought me into this family. It's the church. This family that we're, we're sitting together with right now. God had, had began to add people, uh, uh, friendships and relationships into my life that were healthy. He began to put people in my life and empower me to be real, to, uh, to, 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 to put, pull down the curtains and let people see the ugliness of who Darion was because I felt safe enough to share with someone what it was that I was struggling with, my various addictions and the bad habits that I created in my life. And I was not shunned. They didn't shun me like Jesus didn't shun me when he saw everything that went on in my life and every decision that I made. But they came and they covered me. They prayed with me. They encouraged me with God's word. It was, it was, it was something new. See, God was, God was breaking the addictions in my life. He was breaking those bad habits and he was beginning to free me. He was beginning to heal me and set me, f and, and, and set me free and forgive me of all the sins that I had committed throughout my life and the sins that I had committed even after having given my life to Jesus. See, Jesus opened my eyes to see who he was and he, he opened my eyes to see that not only was there something wrong with the world that was going around me, but there was something that was actually wrong with me. But he continuously revealed more and more about himself to me. And Jesus continues to remain close to me even to this day. Not only has he given me a spiritual family, a church family, but uh, you guys saw the picture of my wonderful wife and my, uh, my amazing son. Not only that, but God has also placed me in a position to speak into the lives of the youth of this generation in our community. As Pastor Daniel said, I get the honor of serving you guys as children, your youth, and sharing the good news of the gospel, sharing God's word with them. But I also work in juvenile probation. 
children who are experiencing all kinds of forms of trauma. They're experiencing uh, uh, life as a teenager in a world that's telling them to, to, to be the best them, the world that's telling them to, 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 uh, uh, to go out and just live their lives because they only have one. Kids who are experiencing the same thing that I experienced when I was younger and I get to come into their lives and share the truth of God's word with them. I get to share what God has done in my life. And so even to this day, God is working things out in me. But I thank God that he has saved me because I'm not the man that I used to be. See, Romans 10, verse 9 through 13, it tells us that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so for the one who has put their faith in Jesus already... I want to encourage you to not forget the faith that you have confessed and the faith that you have believed. But if you have not put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you today to make this decision. Don't wait. You've already felt the weight of your decisions and you've seen the consequences of them. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus makes, you, makes a much better Lord of your life than you do. He made a much better Lord of my life than I did. And it can, when it came down to it, I had to make a decision. I had to decide to lay everything down so that I could follow wholeheartedly after Jesus. To not, to, to, to not to, to, to give up the position of making the decisions and choices in my own life to allow Jesus to be the one who shows me and tells me how to make decisions and to make certain choices because he is rightfully able to do so. And so, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, know that it still stands today that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Jesus will not shame you. I can stand today and many others in the room today can stand and tell you that they have put their faith in Jesus and Jesus has not yet let them down. For he is the only one who is worthy to save. For he is the only one who didn't sin, so he didn't deserve to die. But he died in your place. And he rose from the grave so that you could be forgiven of your sins and so that you could have a right relationship with God. And so I want to open up an opportunity for you to respond to the gospel today. So if Pastor Ernie, if you could come up. I again urge you, do not wait but make the decision today to give your life to Jesus. 
And don't just let it be another Sunday where you, where you leave out of the church and you, you, you go on about your, your life and Monday through Saturday just looks like hell for you. But let this be the Sunday that you decide in your heart to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is God. And confess with your mouth. This is an action. It's not just a feeling that you have deep within your side, within inside yourself. It's not just your emotion, but it's your will this, making decision and saying, you know what? I'm going to use my mouth and I'm going to declare that Jesus is Lord today.